Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have another special guest for everyone, Nate Palmer. Nate is a fitness and nutrition expert, coach, speaker, and writer who believes that being incredible in incredible shape gives a massive advantage in business, focus, and relationships. He's also a dad, husband, and the number one best-selling author of The Million Dollar Body Method and Passport Fitness. Nate helps business owners and entrepreneurs improve their physique, finances, and family time using fitness and nutrition as force multipliers. Nate, welcome to the show. That's a mouthful, Lance. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> hey, man. Well, you do a lot of stuff and I love it. I especially love your focus on your uh, oneself first and then how that can out- go outward. And I'm a, I'm a full believer in that. I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a guy who's going 100 miles, 100 miles an hour all the time. Anybody who knows me that uh, will tell you the same. And, and I'm with you, man. Your health is your wealth. Totally. And they say that the, the man with his health has a thousand dreams and the man without has only one. So I 100% subscribe to that. Uh, the airplane metaphor of put that, put that uh, air mask on yourself first so you can take care of the people around you. You got it, my friend. Um, before we get into exactly what you do, Nate, I, I, I always love to ask everybody who else also a fellow entrepreneur, how, you know, how did you get into it? Did, did you, family of entrepreneurs, not family of entrepreneurs, you know, what led you to being an entrepreneur? Well, my dad was a real estate agent, so that's kind of an entrepreneurial career, you know, um, and he was just giving me books when I was growing up. Like he, like, he was like, Hey, read this, the millionaire next door. He read this rich dad, poor dad. Hey, the, read this, the richest man in Babylon and stuff. So I kind of had that cultivated for me at a young age. And then when I was, I started like kind of working when I was like, you know, 19 or so, I started a, a job in college, like my, between my sophomore and junior year where I went I took, went from, I'm in Arizona. I was going to school at University of Arizona in Tucson. And we drove out to Ashtabula County, Ohio, where I sold books door to door over the course of the summer. So that was absolutely like insane. And that kind of like kickstarted my entrepreneurial journey. And I really only did that because I wanted this job selling advertisements at the, uh, the paper on campus, the Arizona Daily Wildcat. And they were like, sorry, you don't have enough sales experience. And I was like, oh yeah, watch this. <laughs> so then I got my, got my ass kicked for, for a summer, came back and I was like, okay, well now I can do this. So that kind of kicked it off where it was like, hey, I'm, I'm a college student. I'm working part-time, but I'm doing co- commission-based job. And even just that one summer's worth of work basically gave me enough, enough finance, finances to take me through the entire like next year of school, which was fantastic. Then I was able to get a job in like a commission-based job selling other like advertisements. And that was fantastic. And then I got out of school in 2008 to a, just the burgeoning job market that we had. (laughs) And so I was like, you know what I'm really interested in right now is personal training. I didn't really realize it at the time, but personal training is even at a big gym is an entrepreneurial pursuit because Mm -hmm. no one's really feeding you clients. It's a lot of it going out and getting it yourself, talking to people, making connections, following up with leads, that sort of thing. So um, like half, half kind of like bred into it and half kind of fell into it accidentally. Yeah. Did, uh, did you find that you were a a natural in sales? I mean, honestly, you have, you have a high energy about you. You're very outgoing. It seems like, so did you, would you have a proclivity to that or did, or is there like a big steep learning curve for you? Oh, it was tough for me because I'm a huge people pleaser. So like when I was selling books, I'd be like, 
uh, you probably don't want this. You don't need these books. You know? like, so I would, just, like, I would try to get out of these sales conversations. And then I'd look back and be like, what am I doing? That's like, hilarious. So it was a pretty steep learning curve. That, that, that summer was trial by fire for sure. But what I learned from that is that like those books, like the books I was selling door to door, they did nothing for me. I wouldn't buy them. I wouldn't use them after I had bought them. So I didn't feel good selling them. Mm -hmm. When I was talking to people about personal training and their health, I was like, I can get behind this. And I might not be even a good salesperson, but I got a lot of energy and I believe in the product. And those two things were the, like the kind of the impetus that like allowed me to start turning it on things and, and like actually learning those sales skills. Cause I don't feel slimy using sure. sales skills when I, when I love the product so much. And I firmly believe that like, I always thought about like this, if my dad was like 40, 50 pounds overweight and someone was like talking him into spending this money to work on his health, would I, as his son be mad about that? Absolutely not. I want someone to talk him into that. So when I was in that same position and someone's like, man, I got 60, 80, hundred pounds to lose. I was like, this is about you changing your life. This is not about me taking your money or anything like that. And I could say that with a lot of confidence and a lot of sincerity because it was true. Yeah. That is such a critical part. I think, I think it's one thing that people overlook when it just comes to uh, public speaking and being a successful public speaker. It is if you own, if you feel like you own the content and you believe in the content, it, 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 a lot of it comes naturally after that. Um, so very interesting insight you have there. Well, let's get into what you do, Nate. And I'm sure it all starts with how you start your day and ultimately kind of how you start fueling your day with food. So um, in your opinion, then, what do you think is the most important um, meal of the day? And how do you structure that into, you know, everything you do? Well, I think for most of us, like we've been taught that like, oh, breakfast is the most important meal of the day and you eat your Cheerios, it's heart healthy and stuff like that. And then a couple of years back, people were like, you don't need to eat breakfast. Intermittent fasting is actually even better. Yeah. And so I subscribed to that philosophy for a long time. I was doing like the, the 16 or 18 hour fast, this eight or six hour feeding window. And it was great. I, uh, I enjoyed it. It was a great way to get lean. But the thing I found that was a problem with it, and especially a problem from the entrepreneurial side of things is that when you, do, when you don't eat until lunch, lunch ends up being a pretty big meal, which kind of crushes your afternoon focus and ability to get things done. So you find out, you find yourself fitting two hours of the work into four hours. So for that reason, I have kind of adjusted my, my like philosophy around that, something I've kind of taken back. And I've gone back to thinking that breakfast is critical to setting up for success for the day. And there's a couple of reasons for this. Number one, if you, if you feed your body the right macronutrients, macronutrients just being protein, carbs, or fats, if you're feeding yourself the right things at the right time, you can ostensibly pull the lever or twist the knob of your, to signal to your body what you want it to do. It's all communication. Mm -hmm. if, we, if we think of food in terms of communication rather than in terms of like, I want to eat M&Ms, therefore I eat M&Ms. It's like, okay, if I eat M&Ms, that's fine. But what does that tell my body to do? It tells my body to have an instant, instant spike in energy, then a big drop, and then it teaches my body, how, let's have cravings for sweets all the rest of the day. Whereas if you switch that mentality up and you go, okay, what do I want for, what do I want for breakfast? I want a high protein, rest, or re repair recovery for muscles, and we want high fats to teach our body to use fat for fuel for the full day. This is going to give us this nice, even blood sugar all day long, like a time release energy. So when you set yourself up for success like that, and you actually eat the right thing in the morning, you can have great energy all day. You can feel really good all day. You can be extremely productive. And then um, it enables you to basically have the dinner that makes you happier rather than trying to like scrimp and, cut back and like mm. and not necessarily have what you want and always feel deprived. 
So I feel like that's one of the big downfalls with diets is that, you know, they, they're like, okay, if you're having six meals per day, or you're only going to have tilapia and you're going to like all of these things, which you can do for a, a, a couple of weeks or a month, but end up making you feel really, really unpleasant, low energy. And like, you can't have stuff, which is not sustainable. Are you generally recommend that, that people do any kind of fasting then in the morning at all? I mean, is it, you know, coffee liquids first for like an hour or two and then eating or trying to get something solid in your stomach right away? That really depends on the person. So I don't think necessarily it's like, oh, you have to eat right at 6 a.m. when you wake yeah. up or, or wait till 10 a.m. It kind of depends on who you are, what you like. Personally, I like to train on, a, on an empty stomach. And if I train first thing in the morning, I'll just go have like a like a low calorie or no calorie pre-workout, go train and then I'll have my first meal afterwards. That works well for me. Some people wake up and have coffee first and then have their first meal at 10 a.m. Mm -hmm. Some people will push their first meal back to like 11 or noon, which is fine. Um, but then as long as they're having like the right macronutrients, it can still work out. So with that, with, yeah, it doesn't necessarily matter, but I do have some opinions on fasting. I just don't prefer it on a daily basis. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Yeah. And you kind of talked about timing too in that um, and how your timing the size of the meal, right? Um, so why is that just as important as maybe the, the type of food? Is it, I mean, are you, are you, is your body just reacting to what you're giving it, right? And then its metabolism kind of goes up or down accordingly. Yeah, great question. So I think that when you're like, you want to, to uh, make sure that your meals fit your next steps, right? So if you think of it as like communication, Again, it's like, okay, well, I have a big morning coming up. I got a couple podcasts. I got this big project I'm working on. Stuff that requires me to be like, men, have a lot of mental acuity focus, right? So if you went out and ate a bunch of pancakes, what you're doing is you're telling your body, let's spend a lot of time in digestion. And in digestion, we're pulling blood from our brains and from our extremities into our gut, mm -hmm. right? So you lose energy there. Then you have this massive spike in blood sugar and then a big drop. And then like you ate 15 pancakes, but two hours later, you're hungry again. Like what's going on with that? So like, cravings, cravings and fatigue are both big indicators that something is amiss in what you fed yourself. So like if you, if you're timing this correctly, I always think of fat as like a low impact fuel, like for focused tasks and carbs okay. is more of a high impact fuel. You're running triathlons outside, working hard, going on a run, that sort of thing. So if you want to make sure that you have the right fuel for the right task, and if you can understand what each, each like macronutrient protein, carbs, and fats does to your body. You can start communicating, Hey, here's what we need next. Here's what we're doing next. And here's how we're going to fuel for that activity. So for breakfast, I love a protein and fat for lunch. I love a really light lunch with like high protein and a lot of vegetables. Okay. Again, just like giving your, your body the ability to not be digesting so much food or, or trying to like shift into like a kind of a rest and digest state that post Thanksgiving or Chipotle burrito state. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, the PM, we have a higher carb meal, a lot like you can, so that way you can go out to eat with clients. You can eat with your family. You can have dessert and you don't have to stress about it because the, the beginning of your day has been pretty minimal in terms of carbs and, car and calories. So you've given yourself this safety net, allowed yourself to be a little bit more like generous in your portion sizes and what you consume in the PM all by setting up the beginning of your day to actually focus on energy. So I think it's like a, just a slightly different way of looking at nutrition. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It seems like you're much more in tune with your body when you're thinking about those things, especially when you're setting up for tasks. It makes all kinds of logical sense. Um, do you have any secret weapons 
um, for, for fat loss. We've talked about how fueling your body, but like if people are trying to lose weight, you have anything um, that you like to throw out there at people? Absolutely. And this goes back to kind of, again, just making sure that your body is responding in the right way to the right, the right fuels and the right inputs. But I think a, I love fasting. I think a 24 to 48 hour fast is incredibly effective for helping people lose fat. There's a couple of reasons for this. A 24 hour fast gets you three and a half times the amount of autophagy, that kind of recovery, natural detoxification that you get from a single 16 hour fast. So basically three and a half days worth of that in one 24 hour session. Secondly, what happens is you almost hit like restore factory settings on your body's natural, natural state. So your stomach will shrink back to its normal size rather than like the kind of the engorged size that we just live in, like in perpetuity. Um, your body will start naturally down regulating the amount of bacteria in your stomach that consumes sugar, because if you can starve those out, then they have less of a line to your brain to release a chemical called ghrelin which is your hunger hormone. So if you're always feeding yourself sugar, this bacteria that eats sugar goes, let's get more sugar. And it tells your brain, hey, we're hungry. Even though you're like, man, didn't we just eat? So when you do these things, you decrease cravings, you increase energy, you increase fat burn, and you do it all in like 24 hours. So I think that it's kind of a no brainer. If this is a, if fat loss is a goal, 24 to 48 hour fasts are magic. And plus like the mental side of things, so we can get into that, but like, when you could, when you do something like that, you can like pat yourself on the back and be like, Hey, I did that thing. I'm good. Yeah. It gives you some sort of, uh, it, it, I mean, it's kind of like when you're training your muscles, right? Resistance is, is sort exactly. of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. I, I do that from time to time too. And, and sometimes I'm not even sure why, um, maybe I'm just going to listen to my body, but I think it makes all kinds of sense, especially if you're doing some physical activity and you can drink a lot of water and supplant basically you listening you know, your, your brain telling you your, your, your stomach too, like, Oh, I, I need this food. But in this other activity is sort of distracting you. Um, you make a different, you like to make a, uh, the differentiation between training and exercise. And, and um, I would like to ask you like, why do you think training is better than, than exercise? And what's the difference really, in your opinion? When I think of exercise, I think of boot camps and CrossFit and things that make you sweaty. And there's nothing wrong with exercise. I love exercise. I love movement. But when it comes to actually changing your body, changing how it looks, how it performs, hmm. training is superior because training necessitates progress. And basically what that means is that <laughs> you did 10 reps with 100 pounds last week. This week, you need to do 10 reps with 105 pounds or 11 reps with 100 pounds. So you need to increase that like it's called progressive overload and you can do it in a couple of different ways, but making sure that you, every single session you come to in the gym or wherever, whatever you're doing is a little bit better making progress here, building muscle, losing fat. These are games of inches. You know, it takes, it takes prolonged effort and, and like kind of staying relentless in that. And I think one of the best ways to do that is by tracking your progress, using a logbook, tracking your weights and just keeping like making sure that you know exactly where you were, where you're at right now and where you're going. Yeah. Uh, I I'm with you there hundred percent. Yeah. It goes back to the, the reflex of the muscles and everything we, we kind of mentioned earlier. Um, a fact that I, one of my biggest complaints about Americans is the amount of sugar that we're putting into our body. So uh, today the average American has looked this up. The average American consumes about 152 pounds of sugar each year. That's huge, right? I mean, I'm 180 pounds. So like it's most of me, which is intense. Um, how does one know, we already know we're eating too much sugar in America, but 
how, 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 how does one know if they need a detox from sugar, even if they maybe think they aren't eating that much? Yeah. And this, this is a good question. It goes kind of back to what we were talking about with the inputs. Um, what, two of the body's primary mechanisms for letting you know that you're out of balance are your energy levels and your cravings. Okay. So if you're, if you're constantly having cravings between meals, you feel like you need to snack all the time. You're just always in this low grade state of hunger. That's a clear indication to me that your body is, it needs a detox from sugar. You're eating too much of it. Mm-hmm. The other one is fatigue. If you always feel tired, if you wake up lethargic, if you're mm-hmm. like sleepy at 1030, you want to nap at 230, you're crashing out, falling asleep on the couch at 6 PM before dinner. All those to me, these are signs that you have, you've eaten too much sugar and the foods you're putting in your body in like in the, the hours or days prior are not helping you. If you wake up with brain fog consistently, that's a reflection of the dinner you ate last night. And there's something going on there. So if you're having any of those, we call them symptoms, that's, that's a pretty clear indication that it might be time to do a 24 hour fast. Take five days to eliminate processed sugars from your life. It doesn't even have to be like go out and buy a detox or a cleanse because your body does that stuff naturally. Like the two best cleansing mechanisms are not eating and drinking water. And those things are both $3. So mm-hmm. if you can if you can just apply those principles, if you start feeling this way, you're going to be amazed at the difference that you feel. A lot of people will tell me like, I didn't even realize it, but I feel now like I always had the flu for the last five years. I just felt sick. Wow. But I couldn't tell because I didn't know how it felt to feel good. Yeah. And then they go through that recess and reset and then they do. Very interesting. Um, and I think a lot of this stuff maybe creeps up on people where it's just this oh, yeah. slow burn. And then all of a sudden they have this awakening point. Um, My hypothesis is that it's the holidays. Because uh-huh. like, I feel like the average person gains five pounds a year is kind of basically like 4.6 pounds or something like that. But, um, but most people gain eight pounds of the holidays. So I think it's like, we go to the holidays, we gain eight pounds, we lose about three and a half of it or whatever. And then we keep those other pounds. And then the next year it goes back up a little bit. So, but like four or five years from now, you're up like 20 pounds and you're like, how did that happen? Yeah. And it's just these little creeping things where you ate, you ate holiday cookies for a full month. Cause you were like, diet starts on Monday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the gym is back. Right. Um, tell us about insulin resistance. Uh, that's something I, I, I noticed that you mentioned and talk about um, quite a bit. And then what you also mentioned, like it's killing us slowly. Unpack that. Oh man. So insulin resistance goes back to a lot of what we already been talking about. If you are insulin resistant, what's going to happen is like, let's say you eat oatmeal in the morning, right? An ostensibly heart healthy like carbohydrate that's going to be good for you. Right. And I'm not saying oatmeal is bad for you. I'm just saying that sometimes if you don't have the right insulin sensitivity, here's what happens. You eat insulin, you eat insulin, hopefully not. You eat oatmeal and your blood sugar rises. Now, a natural response to your body will be raise insulin to the same levels. But if you're insulin resistant, that insulin will probably go a little too high. So now your blood sugar goes down, but you still got this insulin in your system. So your body sends a signal. It's like, hey, so we got insulin. We need some sugar. So rather than eating like six blueberries, we have half a donut. So we're back up here. That comes back up, back down. So all day long, we are out of balance. And this is what's causing your cravings. It's what's causing your fatigue. Just this kind of this yo-yo where it should be up, up, down, and relaxed up, up, down and relax. That, like, that should be our cadence. But if, we're, if we have uh, the inability to process our carbohydrates at, at a very good level, then we are never going to be having the energy we want. We're always going to be having cravings. We're always going to be dealing with that kind of negative, those negative repercussions. Insulin resistance is also like, it also contributes to visceral belly fat and visceral fat, I think is almost more of what I consider an organ than like, you know, like when you pinch your belly and you're like, oh, it's yeah. fat. You're like, 
no, that's, that's called subcutaneous fat. It's pretty normal. It's not, it's not bad or good. It just is what it is. But visceral fat is like, like after it starts growing with you and you have a little extra insulin resistance, it surrounds your organs and it starts actually growing veins. So it, it can start becoming more of like an entity within itself. And from that visceral fat, again, sends signals to your brain because all it wants to do is grow. That's its natural tendency. Yeah. So once, once you get into that, like that kind of that, that vicious cycle, your insulin resistance goes up, your visceral belly fat goes up. The visceral belly fat releases hormones that say eat more food. And it also releases cytokines, which are these inflammation causing compounds, which can attack your organs, your hearts, your veins, your arteries. So like all of these things just cause this cycle where now you're tired. And so when you're tired, you want to eat more M&Ms. And when you eat more M&Ms, that visceral belly fat goes up. And so you just keep, unless we cut, like we completely sever that with a 24, 48 hour fast and just getting back on track, it is very hard to come back from that, which is why the obesity rates keep climbing despite the supplement industry being like a $5 billion industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So this podcast is uh, mainly aimed towards uh, entrepreneurs and other professionals. So I would love it if you could speak to, to that crowd, not, not that you haven't been, but more specifically about your, 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 um, your very busy entrepreneur wakes up and they don't have a lot of time to meal prep and figure out what they're going to do, but they need to basically do performance eating. Like you talked about, they need to have high energy. They can't crash. Um, they need on-demand energy if they do crash. Um, what, what is your advice for, for those kind of folks? Yeah. So I literally wrote the, this, the million dollar body method. It's called the entrepreneur's diet for superhuman focus and rapid fat loss for these people. So I have all this stuff laid out in there. You can get it on Amazon, uh, or if you want to, or I'd love to give it away for free, like a, just a Kindle or an ebook version for your listeners, Lance. Uh, I can give you the link there as well. But basically what I would, I like to think of entrepreneurs as mental athletes, right? We need to, we're not necessarily going out and like running marathons all the time, but we need to be focused. We live and die off of what we kill, right? It's not necessarily, we just, we're not getting, we're trying to go out and hunt woolly mammoths. We're not trying to, we're not happy with like nuts and berries. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I think about entrepreneurs. So in a way we need two things. We need performance eating and we need it fast. We don't need, we don't have time to meal prep, eat six meals a day, do all these little things that take up time that we could be spending in our business, working on the things that are really important to us. Not everyone is obsessed with like the macronutrients behind carbohydrates and all the, like, you know, behind steak or whatever else. No one cares about that. They care about results. <clears throat> so with that in mind, I feel like we, what we need to do is have a simple, effective strategy for at least the first two meals of the day, breakfast and lunch, because that's going to push you through the afternoon, get you done. And then if you, if you've eaten right all day, you have this insurance policy that allows you to kind of mm. do what you want for dinner. So um, I go into like in depth in here. I basically, I recommend is protein and fats in the morning. Protein shake is the easiest option. It's about like, you know, three minutes out the door. You take it with you. You can roll wherever with it for lunch, a really light lunch, high protein, high vegetables, give you the energy that you need. Keep, give you the right micronutrients, vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients to keep you energized throughout the day. And then again, insurance policy, safety net through that way. When you do have something a little bit different for dinner, it's not going to affect you. It's not going to throw you off. I really like that you set people up to enjoy the last meal. Not, not that they're not enjoying the protein shake or the salad that they're having for, for lunch. That's kind of what comes to mind. 
But man, it just makes sense. All of a sudden, um, you're not feeling guilty and everybody's in a positive attitude sitting around the, the dinner table. That feels like a really good closure to, to the day. I don't know if you base it on just off of you wanting that or, I mean, was there, I mean, a part of it's obviously science, but like, is, where did that come from? Yeah, that's a great question. So on one hand, it's like the, the science is says when you have carbohydrates at night, again, you spike that blood sugar. Now your body's in rest and digest mode and you're going to sleep a lot better if you have the, like the high quality carbohydrates at night. On the other hand, all of my clients for the past like four or five years have all been entrepreneurs and they're all like, Hey, I'm going out to eat with a client. What can I eat here? I'm, I'm going to like, I'm having like dinner with my family. I'm going to Thanksgiving with my grandma. And so to tell someone, Hey, you know what you need to do is you need to prep asparagus and tilapia <laughs> and you need to take that in a little Tupperware to your grandma's house. Your grandma's going to think you're a huge nerd. She doesn't like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and again, like when it comes down to like deprivation, if you're asking someone to deprive themselves and say no to things over and over and over again, people can do that. They can grit through it, willpower and motivation, but sometimes that like, that's going to crash. And so if you can just give people an outlet, so that way they can have pizza, eat tacos, have dessert, enjoy their life, break bread with their friends and family in a way that doesn't just promote fitness gains, but it promotes lifestyle gains too, then it's sustainable. You can stick with it long-term. And that is more critical to people's success than anyone would have you believe because maintenance is not sexy. Yeah, I agree. It's boring, right? Just doing the the mundane everyday thing in in and out is boring, but man, if you can, and, and that's the thing I don't think we even talk about a lot as, as Americans. So very interesting. I, I love what you just said about being boring though, because I think that if you can figure out a way to make your exercise and your nutrition boring, you're 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 doing it. You're nailing it because they should be a little bit boring. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like complexity is the enemy of progress. You know, yeah. Bruce Lee said, "I don't fear the man who's who's practiced ten thousand kicks once, but the man who's practiced one kick ten thousand times." So if you can be like, "Man, I'm having the same protein shake for the tenth year in a row," shout out to my protein shake I'm having for the tenth year in a row. Mm -hmm. um, then you're then you're at a place where you're like okay, I've got it. I'm mastering this. I'm not just looking for the next new fancy keto, whatever vegan thing. Yep. And then you just burn out like a, like a shooting star essentially. Right. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. I like it all, Nate. It's very, very cool. Um, one last question I'd like to ask everybody before we sign off and obviously you give us the, the link here is um, knowing what you know now. And if you could go back in time to when you, when you first started your, your, your nutrition and fitness business, what is one piece of advice you'd give yourself? don't be cute. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I feel like I've tried to be cute my entire fitness career. I've been doing this for like 13 years. My website is N8 training systems. It's like cute, right? Nate, mm -hmm. N8. Google's like, we hate numbers and URLs. And I was like, okay, got it. Got it. All right. So then I, so I started a Facebook group and I called it like something optimal self. And it doesn't, it like, I never really described what I was doing. Mm. So even like million dollar body is like, it's a little cute, you know, and I like the name, but it's also like, no one is really searching for, no one's like, what is a million dollar body? Like that doesn't, that's not keeping someone up at night. So I feel like I could have been reaching more people if I had just been really direct. And I think that's something that I'm currently learning. Beautiful. That's a great one. Um, Nate, this has been fantastic. If people like what they've heard from you today, where, where, and how can they find you and, and give us that link for that book? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Million Dollar Body Method. Um, I have an amazing Facebook community called um, Lose Your Gut, Eat More Tacos, Never Track Calories, the MDB Project. Um, you can get to by going to n8trainingsystems.com slash group. And if you want to grab a copy of that book for free, just go to n8trainingsystems.com slash book to keep it easy.
Beautiful. Again, that's N8, like a very cute way of saying Nate. There you go. I bet people will remember it though, because we talked about the cute part. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. going to pay off this time. Awesome, Nate. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Lance, it was, a lo- it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on.